Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Faroe Islands, calm, peaceful, an idyllic sanctuary, population 52,000, football you ask yourself, well, it exists, has done for decades in fact. The Faroe Islands possess a unique sense of love for the game and strive to keep improving year after year. Tonight, on the TTM Podcast, we interview Ellie Heinzer, the assistant manager for the Faroe Islands to discuss all things football, from his career with B71 Sandoy, to coaching in the Nations League with his country. Welcome to episode 4 of Global Football, the Faroe Islands. You're listening to the TTM Podcast. Good evening and welcome to the TTM podcast, part of our global football series, sees us tonight interviewing the assistant manager of the Faroe Islands, Ellie Heinzer. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. You? Um, yeah, very, very well indeed. Thank you very much. Yeah, all good. Um, have you been busy? Yeah, I've been busy. Uh, the last 
uh, 10, 12 days, we've been away with a with the A national team playing three matches, a friendly and two in the Nations League. So yeah, pretty bit, pretty pretty busy. Sorry. <laughs> yep, no problem. Um, for our listeners, what we're going to do, just to give it a quick breakdown, is talk about your life in football um, from the very beginning, from your first moment that you fell in love with the game, as we all have, um, right the way through to the current day. Um, so without further ado. Um, what was your first memories of the beautiful game? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if I have any first memories, but uh, uh, my life, throughout my life, I've uh, had a football playing every day uh, in the streets, in the beginning in the streets, uh, everywhere. So, so playing football was uh, the hobby that we did always. Brilliant, so, fantastic. Uh, so from 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 a very early age, it's been a huge part of my of my entire being. Yeah, so in, in in the Pharaohs, Ely, um, do do you have clubs like um, like amateur clubs where you would have had youth teams in there, or would you have mainly played at school to start with, or is there is there a sort of a grassroots football set up in in the Faroe Islands? Um, there are there, at the moment there are 18 clubs. We've had more than 18, uh, but but some of them have been put together. So so for example, two are now one club. Uh, but school football, as it is in England, is not is not an issue here. So uh, so people or, or children and, and seniors play in clubs. Yeah, uh, and most clubs. Are, or all clubs are amateur clubs, but uh, nowadays some of them, the, the senior first men team, is kind of, of semi-professional. I think. Okay. Yeah. And, so they um, get they get paid a small they'll get paid a small amount, but probably not enough to live on. Um, no, no. But there are okay. there are some coaches, some foreign players, who uh, have football as their main job. Yeah. Okay. And who did you support growing up? Well, uh, from an early age, uh, and I think I learned English from there. It was uh, BBC Radio Five Live. So every yeah. Saturday we stuck to the radio, listening to uh, what was called then the First Division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I and a friend of mine, Torpy and Jens, and we played together. It was Liverpool throughout. So uh, from uh, from mid seventies or late seventies until this day, it was Liverpool. Same. And who who were your favourite players? Who were your favourite Liverpool players growing up? Kenny. Well, I remember from the from from the beginning, it was Kevin Keegan. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 But uh, but obviously when. It, when he when he left in 70, 78 or seventy seven to Hamburg, it was Kenny Dalglish and and these players. But there there were many Ian Rush, a lot of players, Liverpool players that yeah, yeah. we loved to watch. Well, I think we're firmly back on our perch now, and obviously intend to stay there, which is important. Uh, it's important to me. I'm very very happy. I put up with thirty years of absolute tirades of football torture um, and now and now we're back um, so I think yeah very very good news there um, in terms of yourself then obviously 
um, your playing career, how did that go for you? Well, uh, I live in a small village called Santor in a small island. We, the Faroe Islands is, is 18 islands and I live in an island called Santoy. And that's where I've played throughout my entire career, starting as I think I was nine or ten when I started playing in the club and still play as an old boys player. So played roughly 24 years as a senior in the highest and second highest uh, division. So, so I played my entire career for, for the same club and still do. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. So a one <laughs> club man, ultimate loyalty, which is brilliant. And uh, obviously you, you've, um, you've done well. Um, there's no doubt about that. And during your playing career, I mean, what position did you play? Well, to, to begin off, uh, I was the number nine. Uh, yeah. Prob- probably th- I was the small one, the Kevin Keegan uh, lookalike. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but after, after a few years, I, I was more like a, a, a midfielder. But uh, as a number nine and, and, and more like an eight. Yeah, in the engine room. Absolutely. Yeah, in the engine room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very important part of any team. Um, so obviously from there, through your playing career... Did you always have your eye on a managerial coaching career as you began to get older from the game? And uh, how did you sort of fall into that? I gather you had a very good relationship, clearly, with, with B71 if you played there your whole career. And maybe it was always the plan to, to go into the management with them. Well, uh, working in a grassroots uh, environment, you obviously, not obviously, but uh, I did and, and others did as well, you're part of the board. Uh, you're part of the coaching staff, taking care of, 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 of the kids' football, children's football as well. So I started up early as a coach. Uh, I was, I had different roles. I was the chairman of the club also. So that is that's the reality. If you're if you're living in a, in in an, a small environment, uh, so I. I think I grew into it, uh, and at a uh, relative early stage, I took I took the badges while playing. Uh, so I had my I had my my badge early on, uh, and started off with the with the youth national teams as well. So I've been I've been uh, in coaching for for twenty odd years already. So would it would it be fair to say, uh, Ellie, that maybe back in your playing career, probably you, what what we're we looking at the sort of mid to late eighties into the nineties? Yeah, I, I played my last game uh, in the top division in two thousand and eleven. I think. Oh, oh okay, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> no wow, sorry. I, uh, yeah. I didn't expect that. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't either. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Would it would it be fair to say then that the the standard um, in the Faroe Islands what what would you compare it to? Um, is it is it semi professional like you said? Would you compare it to maybe the national league in England? I think or... it's I think it's impossible to to compare it. Uh, well, the champions from last year, Kauai uh, from Klaxwick, they progressed in the in the Champions League, uh, 
played against the young boys from 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 Switzerland yeah. and lo- lost 3-1 okay. and then went went into the Europa League uh played at home against uh, Dinamo Tbilisi winning 6-1 yep. really and then progressing playing in Ireland against Dundalk champions from, yeah I think they were champions. No, I'm not sure, but but uh, team from Ireland, uh, Dundalk. Dundalk have actually qual- they qualified again this year, haven't they? Yeah, into they, the group yeah, stages. Yeah, they qualified for. They're a good for, side. Yeah. So and Kyle uh, lost two one there. I think it's impossible to to kind of compare. Uh, people here in Faroes know uh, that our league is one of the bottom leagues in Europe, and that. That is that's normal because because the numbers of people living here are not yeah. that high, so it's difficult well, to compare. I mean, a, a nation of uh, around forty-eight and a half thousand. You know, you could fit comfortably inside a normal top division football stadium, for instance, in in yeah. our country without being disrespectful in, no, in no, any no. way. Um, well, you know, I mean, when when you look at it though, and you look, for instance, the state of the league in Scotland, um, could you put your mortgage on on? on anybody outside the top four in Scotland beating Dynablo Tbilisi. I, I don't think you could. And, and, and actually, no, that's I a credit, you know, and I think that's a credit to the, to the Faroe Islands League there and for that team to go and get that victory. That's a massive win. I, I've yeah, heard yeah. of them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, full credit there as well. So you're obviously clearly doing a good job from grassroots right the way up through that system there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To, to beat a team from Georgia, okay, Georgia is probably... Uh, it's probably not highest ranked in Europe. They aren't the highest ranked in Europe, but 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 with their history from from former Soviet Union football uh, culture, they are a, a great team. And and coming here and and been beaten six one. That's that that was massive. You know, every, everybody yeah. knows Georgia, and you know there's some some really good players have come out of Georgia. You think Georgia Kladze? Um, I think Tam- Tamuri Katsbaya was he Georgian as well? Yeah, he was. Um, Kakubishvili. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we've had... Georgia's a, a well-respected footballing nation, certainly in Europe. Definitely. And, and any, any team from that Eastern Europe Europe area is always technically sound as well. So, I, I think by saying the National League, I was probably doing you a bit of a discredit there. Ellie. No, no, no. Uh, no. But it's, uh, it's probably better than that. Um, would you be fair to say, Would it be fair to say there's top teams in, in Faroes, like you mentioned, um, but then probably a bit of a gap? You know, I would maybe compare it possibly to like the Scottish League where you've got Celtic and Rangers and then a massive gap to the rest of them. Have, have you got sort of like a dominant team um, and then there's a bit of a gap to the rest or is it a competitive league? Like, you know, is it, is it can anybody beat anybody on the day? No, the, the big issue at the moment, it has been over the last few years, is that uh, the gap has really, really appeared. Um Teams participating in Europe, relatively getting huge amount of money, uh, and 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 that's one factor, uh, which is evident that it creates this this gap. So, so at the moment, and it has been an issue for a few years now. We have four or five teams; they are running away, like Rangers and Celtic have done in Scotland for a number of years. Yeah. So that is an issue which is of concerns for people here in the Fair It's very, it's the same in probably a lot of leagues. I mean, mm. you know, to, it, to put it into 
you know, it's all relative, relative in the sense. But you look at La Liga, for example, Barcelona and Real Madrid, you can pretty much guarantee they're going to finish top two. Uh, Bundesliga, you can guarantee that Dortmund and uh, Bayern are pretty much going to finish top Paris two. Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco and Lyon, you can guarantee they're going to be probably the top three in France. It, it, it's very relative, you know. It, and again, like you say, it's the European uh, competitions, the money that that brings. Mm. Um even in England, to be fair, and there's a lot of talk about it now. They're trying to, uh, is it Manchester United and Liverpool are trying to monopolise the money mm. at the top again? So it, it, it's happening throughout Europe. And, and like you say, it, it, it does come down to the European competitions. You know, they're, they're, they're worth their weight in gold, really, aren't they? We European spots. Mm. So in terms of the late 80s, B71 Sandoy, one of the greatest ever stories, I think, that I've ever actually heard in football. Um, do you want to tell it to the listeners? Yeah, no problem. Uh, well, my first year as a senior, I, I was 16, 17. Uh, we played in the third highest league, winning. Uh, so in, in our second year, 88, in, in the second division, uh, we won second division and was were promoted to to, to the top league. And in '89, the same year, first year, we were champions unbeaten. So that was that was a massive run, really, really unexpected. Uh, but we had we had we had great players coming through. Uh, and in '89, we uh, had uh, two players coming in from 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 Poland. Uh, had just finished playing at the top level there, so it was obvious that they uh, they made a huge impact. Uh, so it was it was it was it really was a great a great year. It was it really was a great time mm. uh, in the eighties. And I gather as you go through that season when you win the league to go undefeated. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, we were I think for you know eighty percent we <laughs> looked like we were going to do it, um, and it starts to then become a bit of a snowball effect. It's literally week in, week out. You start to develop a confidence and then an aura comes around the team. So anybody else that comes to play you, as soon as they go 1-0 down, it's, it's quite difficult to stop them. Um, what happened in the end at B71 Sandoy, at the end of that phase particularly? Well, uh, <laughs> the story goes on because the year after, we approximately had the same team, uh, but the year after we were relegated. It's, so it was a really, really roller coaster. Um, well, before the last game away, which we lost 2 0, if we won that game, we would uh, end up uh, in second or third spot. So, so in 1990, the, the, the scoreboard or the league that was so close, we were relegated. Yeah. If we were winning, it would be, I, I can't remember exactly, silver or bronze medal. So it was. It was that, really that's un, that's unbelievable. That is how many te- <laughs> how many teams were in the league at, at that time? It was uh, ten, as it is now. Yeah, so that is that is tight. That is <laughs> really it's tighter like, than uh, the championship. Tighter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That unbelievable. So it, on paper, you think, oh, well, they won the league and then they got relegated. It sounds like, oh my god, something's gone really wrong. The manager's left. There's been a player revolt. You know, they've completely self-destructed. Really, it's not like that then. It was just such a tight league. It could, you know, it could have so easily been so different. So it's not like, you know, it's not like you had a bad situation there. It was just, unfortunately, a tight, tight division. 
No, we, we probably weren't as good as we were the year before. Uh, the, in, in, in 89, we probably were lucky in some games winning. Uh, and that, I don't know if it's luck or, uh, yeah, you can go whatever you call it. But we lost the narrow games the year after. And, and, and then probably confidence uh, was running out. Yeah. Yeah. And so shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Believe you me, you know, going back to it as a Liverpool fan, you know, 2014 away at Crystal Palace, 3 0 up, 10 minutes to go. And the sucker punch literally ripped the soul out of my body. I've been there. It's a horrible feeling, but it is what it is. Cristan Ball, they call that. Cristan Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, how many times have Tottenham won the European Champions League? Have they ever won the European? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Um, so as as we move on, uh, your managerial career, as as you mentioned, is uh, absolutely animated, littered with different sort of positions around uh, your career. Uh, what sort of happens next? Well, uh, well, at, at the moment, I, I've I, I was the I was the under under the under twenty one national team coach for three years. Then I was offered the assistant uh, job for for our A team, uh, accepted. So uh, hopefully, I'll stay there the next four years. That's my contract. Uh, looking very good. It's, it's a new. Big challenge, exciting challenge. Now in the Nations League and, and next year starting already with the World Cup qualifiers uh, already in March. So uh, hopefully we'll have England in the group. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd love a trip to the Faroes, believe you yeah. me. We like, we like the Faroe Islands. This is Scotland. Yeah. I'm a bit more, you know, but yeah, yeah. the Faroes are all right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I want to talk to you about the Nations League, uh, Ellie. Um when the Nations League was first brought in, uh, about three years ago now, probably two, three years ago, there was a lot of scepticism on it. Oh, yeah, it never really worked. Um, not so good. Um, for, a, for a smaller nation like yourselves, how important is the Nations League? Well, definitely. I think it's, it's very, very important. Firstly, it's not that easy to have, uh, to have friendlies. It's not that easy. Of course, it's also expensive. It's not. It's definitely not easy to have friendlies, and and that was one of the reasons to introducing the the Nations League. Okay. On the, on the other hand, I think the skepticism probably also is because the talk of dividing uh, the national team league so that. The bigger nations do not play against uh, minnows. Hopefully, hopefully that won't be the case, because some say that the, the nation league, nations league, is like the first step towards having this, uh, having this issue solved, so that the free England, for example, don't waste time playing against San Marino and Faroe Isles and, and so on. But hopefully. Because this is the uh, the bread and butter, I think, in football that uh, the unexpectedness is there. Because if you knew, if you always know what is going to happen, then the interest and then the passion for for the game of football kind of of, of disappear. If we Absolutely. have the unexpectedness, as 
As the Faroe Islands have showed uh, a number of times, uh, drawing with Scotland, Britain, Greece, and so on and so on, uh, it is important for football in general to have the whole family together. I I think. Yeah, and I and I think with the we would talk about the scepticism of the Nations League. For me, again, it's it's more football snobbery um, from the big clubs. You know, are. Uh, you know, like in, even England, you know, frustrate me. I, I see the Nations League as a great, great opportunity. We went to the finals in Portugal last we summer. We should have won it. We, we should have won, won it. it. You know, I really yeah. wanted us to win it, you know. And, yeah. and, and I would have treated that as good as anything, you know. It's, it's an international tournament. Um, and it's, uh, there's a lot of football snobbery now, you know, even, even to the point people are criticising the Europa League. Mm. You know, it's yeah. football, it, like I said, it's football snobbery. I think the Nations League is massive. You know, yeah. for, for countries like yourself, um, you know, and you look at your group there, Malta, Latvia, Andorra. That, that's, that's, you know, it's an opportunity to play teams around your level, get some wins, blood some young players. You know, you're not under pressure. You can't, you don't, you don't want to be chucking an 18-year-old in away at Germany, but you can chuck an 18-year-old at home to Latvia, you know, and give them some experience. And I think, like I said, the Nations League, I think it's got a definite part to play. And, 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 Football's global, football's international. It's not just about the top teams. It's not just about the big money. It, it's about everyone. And it gives, gives countries like yourselves, Andorra, Latvia, San Marino, you know, the so-called minnows of, mm. of football, an opportunity. You know, we, we've done a lot of um, uh, conversations with people in the Caribbean, mm. um, Caribbean football, um, and they have, a, have an equivalent, the CONCACAF Nations League. And it, again, a similar situation. We've had... Uh, We've spoken to people from uh, the British Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands, and they'll be playing against the other smaller nations. And the, you're talking about guys in the Caribbean, in the British Virgin Islands, ranked 203rd in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, people look at 107th for you guys. That's actually fine, in my opinion. Yeah, We're talking yeah. about 203rd in the world. And they'd do anything to get a draw away at, you know, the, the American Virgin. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and football's so much deeper than what the mainstream shows, which is part of the reason why we like doing this global football series, because it shines a light on the smaller nations. Mm. Yeah, yeah. For us, definitely. It, I think the mixture between playing these games in the National Nation, sorry, in Nations League, where you realistically have a bigger opportunity to get points, that mixture and playing against the great ones. As you say, I, I believe, I, I mean, if, if United and Liverpool uh, were playing constantly, let's say 10 games a season in England, I don't think it would be that interesting. No, uh, it'd be boring. It'd be boring. So it's, yeah, it would be it definitely, that would also be boring. But mm. seeing Leicester in 2016 coming from not from nothing, but almost, and, and being champions, mm. I think it has a huge impact in football and it inspires everyone yeah. to, to see that you have a chance. Yeah, I agree. That's important. Um, but the FA I mean, Cup in England is also the story of that it is possible to, to beat the big ones. Yeah, I mean, just look at Euro 2016. It tells you yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. England, Iceland, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As an England fan, 
I thought it was embarrassing. And I know that's it. But then again, it's our football snobbery because actually since then, Iceland have actually went around and actually did very well. They've done very well in their yeah. groups. They've did very well against big teams. So maybe I, I think it was snobbery on the part of not just the fans of England and to which I am, but also the team, the players, the everybody. We expected, you know, as soon as Rudy puts England 1-0 up, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Ellie. I thought to myself... Game over. I thought that's yeah. it. Yeah, roll on next round. Because if we done. if we won that, we had. I think that was on the. I think that was something like the the, the Sunday the, or the Monday night. And if we won that, we would have had France on the Sunday. Mm. As soon as we got one in love, we go right. Okay, well, we're going. We got France now on Rest. Sunday. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And again, it's football snobbery. It's football snobbery. Yeah. So in terms of the Nations League as well, um, when the European Championships were first introduced, I've done a lot of digging on this myself. I'm a football historian. When it was first introduced, it was actually received in the same way as the Nations League is now. Mm. And mm. a lot of people are saying it's not going to catch on. It's not going to do this. It's not going to do that. And when you see the prestige of the European Championships as they are now, as an England fan, I'll do anything to win that trophy. Mm. That's mm. why I think a lot of the, the fan base, especially in England, are bitterly disappointed that we had an opportunity to go to Portugal and win that. And they start resting players, and it, mm. and it's a, it's very very disappointing. So I understand where you're coming from. And what I think they should do is I like the idea of having smaller teams together, medium teams together, and big teams together. But what I think they should do is put the winners of each um, category of group into that tournament, not just all the winners of Group A. What they should do is the winners of A, B, C, D. So those yeah, teams yeah, yeah. there in your group, you would be rewarded with a trip to the Parc de Princes to, you know, to face France. You'd be rewarded with the trip to face Wembley. Likewise, you could have England turning up at the Faroe Islands. And I'll tell you, who knows? Who knows? We know Scotland have been there in the past and struggled. Then again, they struggle against everyone. But to be fair, you know, as an England team, it is what it is. I think um, that's the way it should go, to be fair. What's the... Um, so if you, you're obviously top of your Nations League group at the moment with 10 points, um, undefeated, uh, three wins and a draw. So that... That's very good. A back-to-back victories over Andorra. And um, was it a draw with Latvia and a victory over Malta? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, Latvia, just to throw that out there, they were in Euro 2004 in the group stages. You know, Latvia, no mugs. Um, Igor Stefanov's back in the day. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what's the reward for winning the group? Is it, do you go into playoff to get into the, um, or is it to do with seedings and pot, pot seedings for the World Cup draw? Is that how it works? Uh, well, if we if we win the group, we advance to the C level uh, yeah. or the C group for the next Nations League. Yeah. Uh, but I think that they've they've changed the format because the first Nation League. Uh, so the winners, I'm not sure if the winners and runners up. So they were playing uh, playoffs for the actual Euro. So yeah, because I think that's happening. how that's what happened with Scotland. I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, but they've they've changed it slightly. So now, if we win uh, our group, we progress to uh, to the C group next time around. So, what sort think, of nations are in the C group? Yeah, well, it's uh, at the moment it's it's mostly Eastern European, uh, like Moldova, Azerbaijan, Kosovo, okay. and so on. Yeah. Okay. I think for the development of the Faroe Islands, uh, a promotion to the sea level would actually be then again very good for the development of those yeah, players definitely. to play against the higher category. It can only have a great effect on your league. It can only have effect on growing the game. 
um, which is great. In terms of um, the Faroe Islands national team themselves, um, who's the standout player? Um, is there anybody that could potentially play in the Championship or the Premier League that's in the Faroe Islands at the moment? So historically, um, one of the goalkeepers actually played 20 minutes for for Blackburn Rovers back in 2000 and something. Uh, no, 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 not Blackburn. It was Man City, sorry. Okay. Uh, Man City in the Premier League. Uh, so he he was part of Blackburn, moved on on to City. He, he plays now in, in 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 Iceland. But at the moment we have. We have a player, uh, Johan Suyman Edmondson, called who plays for Arminia Bielefeld in, in yep. the Bundesliga. Yep. Uh, we have players in, in, in top league in Sweden, uh, in Denmark, in Norway. Uh, but it so so a player from a very very small uh, village here, approximately 700, 700 800 people, Tofter called uh, to play in in the Bundesliga is is, is massive. Yeah. It shows that it really is is possible, and if it's possible, to, if it's possible to take part in a Bundesliga team, it definitely is possible as well to be part of of, of the Premier League. And hopefully, hopefully within years we will see a Faroe player in in the Premier League again. So that um, obviously uh, as part of your your role as football development uh, uh, for the Faroe Islands as well. When initially before your role as the assistant coach, you were involved in football development. So would it be seen as a as a as a real success for for Faroese football if uh, as you get your your players to move on from your domestic clubs, is it always the aim for the better players for you to move them on into the into the sort of the Scandinavian leagues? Um, I noticed that the majority of the players in your squad either play domestically or it is, as you say, apart from uh, Juan, Ed, Juan Ed, Edmondson, mm-hmm. yeah, looking at the Swedish, the Danish and the Norwegian league. Is that always the aim to get to get your players out into the Scandinavian leagues or do you want to keep them on the islands as much as you can? Well, uh, it's, I think it's fair to say that uh, being a professional football player player believing that it's possible to be a professional football player abroad uh, is is quite new even though we had players before 20 odd years ago in Denmark as well and, and in Norway and Iceland uh, but if you take Iceland for example they have a culture of believing in that it's possible to be a professional footballer living as a professional living as a football player so I think it's early days yet, but more and more of the younger players believe they have role models now, uh, believe that it is possible to become a professional footballer. And I think that people here are, are very proud of, of, of their role models playing abroad. So uh, I'm pretty sure that we will see more players from our country playing in bigger leagues in Europe uh, as time goes by. I've always um, been a fan of the Faroe Islands. It was my father that um, he's always followed the Faroe Islands national team. And in our house, it's just a bit of a, 
a bit of a thing. We've always just followed them. Um, it's always been interesting as football purists. I've been brought up in, as I say, as a as a student of the history of the game. Um, and also I've followed them. Those games at home that you had against Scotland could have must have been 10, 15 years ago now. And I, I remember, I remember watching those games, literally cheering them on in our house. So there are fans of the Faroe <laughs> Islands everywhere. It's true. Uh, it really, really is true. Um, James, have you got anything else that you would like to ask or add at all? Um, yeah, just it. What, what's, have, you, have they made the draw yet for the World Cup qualifiers in 2022? No. So no, that's to haven't. come? No, they haven't. So That's to come. Uh, I think it's uh, probably, probably early December. I'm not sure, but probably. You've got a smaller window now, haven't we? Obviously, with, with COVID, with the Euros getting pushed back as well. So you're yeah, going to be looking yeah, at probably yeah. a smaller window. Um, so with that, would you be in, at the moment, in the bottom part for the group draw? What? Well, I'm um, I'm not so sure, but but uh, every win, every point you gain points in, in in the ranking. Yeah. But obviously, if you if you win against similar uh, similar strength teams, you don't get as many points as mm. uh, if you beat or draw against a bigger nation. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm I'm not sure exactly. It would be nice if we were seated a bit higher than we could have. Uh, also, uh, similar teams as us. In, in, yeah. In the... So I look at I look at Iceland, for example. If you'd have said to me ten years ago, I remember England playing him in a friendly at the City of Manchester Stadium in in the lead up to Euro two thousand and four. Four six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They played him there, and they battered Iceland six nil. Um, yeah. And I and if you'd have said to me then, Iceland will get to a World Cup in fourteen years time, I'd have said, Nah, you're having me on. Um, I actually think they underachieved at the, at the 2018 World Cup Iceland. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they lost against Nigeria when I thought mm. they should, they, you know, I thought, I thought as a, as a matchup, they could, they probably could have got some out of that game. Obviously the draw with um, Argentina as well. So mm. I think they, they possibly were a bit, could have maybe got out of that group even. I, I half expected them to. And that just shows how far you can come. Do you guys look at, look like an Iceland and look at the infrastructure that they put in place there uh, the structure that they have. Do you look at that as an example of what you want to follow? Well, I think that, yeah, yeah, and yes and no, because um, I think the structures are basically quite quite similar. I think they have, I think they have uh, probably a more early, uh, how do you say in English? They're, they're, they're more professional early on, I, I, I think. With the academies uh, and that sort of thing, do you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure they have real academies. Right. Uh, but, but, but the difference, the, the real difference between Iceland and, and, and ourselves is that uh, they have all, probably, approximately all their national team players playing in bigger leagues in England. Um, Italy and so on, and, and yeah. that is a fair result. Why Iceland is Iceland is doing so so very well in in Europe, but of course they need to have the grassroots football very well organized in order yeah. to have them have these professionals abroad. Exactly, I, yeah, exactly. I think we're we're on the same track. Hopefully, we will hopefully will be better in that uh, respect as well. Yeah, well, we certainly you can certainly see progression. From yep. from Faroese football, 
Yeah. Uh, for sure. You've only got to look at the Nations League. I know I keep talking about the Nations League, but I really like the Nations League. Um, you talk about the Nations League group and I'm very, oh, you know, you're doing really well. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not to be sniffed at. I think there's a great credit. No, no. no the, well, the teams we are facing now are teams that we've met uh, a number of times earlier. Really struggled, sometimes winning, but really struggling against them. For example, against Andorra, we've had huge problems beating them. Uh, but again, if, if if you look at Andorra, England were playing at the under twenty ones away against yeah, Andorra, three, Andorra, three three, and that is yeah. that's a huge result. I don't know what England mm. put up, but but it's a huge result. So it's it's fascinating, I think. Well, I'll tell you, under the um, turbulent reign of Steve McLaren, Steve McLaren's England men's senior team were actually nil-nil away in Andorra. Um, and the fans rioted inside the stadium because, again, and uh, do you know what? As an English fan, I think, we, we, I think we've been really guilty of football snobbery. It's not like Absolutely. it was in the, in the 70s and 80s when you would go to Turkey and win 7-0. Uh, it's not like that anymore. Football has developed so much. There are no easy games. You know, I don't think there is any easy games anymore. Um, I think it's been an absolute privilege catching up with you. Um, Josh was absolutely right about you. He turned around and he told us, he goes, the story's incredible. The, the, the infrastructure, the knowledge of the game is perfect for what we were really looking for. So I, I really hope that you've had fun on, on the show with us. Yeah. And it's not been too bad. So, yeah, it's OK. Definitely. Definitely. Hope my uh, hope my English was understandable. So that that's good. <laughs> you, you, we're from the southwest of England, uh, Ellie. So yeah. um, if you know some of the people that we know in the southwest of England, your English is better than theirs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to all our fantastic TTM podcast listeners. We have a real treat for you. Do you have trouble with your sleeping? Do you suffer with anxiety or depression? Do you still have those aching muscles that you keep talking about? Then we have the perfect product for you to try. Supreme CBD. It comes in many different forms. For example, Supreme CBD face cream. It uses organic natural ingredients leaving your face feeling smooth and also without the use of synthetic compounds. For those aching muscles, there's Supreme CBD Muscle and Joint Rub, which penetrates deep into the skin and muscle joints, combining the therapeutic benefits of eucalyptus, rosemary, cinnamon bark, and black pepper in a wonderfully hydrating aloe gel. Also, there's more available. We have all of the oils, vapes, and even gummy bears, which are vegan. Now for the best part, head over to Supreme CBD UK today and enter our unique discount code TTM30 and you will get 30% off of everything on the website. That code again, TTM30. It really doesn't get any better. Head over to SupremeCBD.UK. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.